everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. Thanks to advances in science and technology, fundamental changes are on its way to nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short, referred to as NGIOA. Now, a potential promise of this fundamental change is transformation. Transformation that is creating completely new technology, business, management, and governance models. As we see across nations, we are witnessing great examples of how technology-driven transformation is redefining the core business models of NGIOA. Uber and Facebook are some of the great examples. Financial industry is also going through similar technology-driven transformation. Almost every type of financial activity from banking to payments to wealth management is being reimagined and redesigned currently. As technology begins to shake up the financial industry workflow and processes, tasks that were once handled using paper money or huge giant computers and human interaction are now being completed entirely on digital interfaces and even without involvement of any human. When new competitors, new technology, and new consumer expectations begin to impact the financial industry, the question surrounding the industry today is not whether it will be transformed, but how it will be transformed. So where is all this going? To discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Patrick Bucket. Patrick is the co-founder and senior partner at Shapuis Holder & Company. Welcome, Patrick. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Yeah. Hi, and thank you for inviting me. It's a great pleasure for me to be here. Wonderful, Patrick. So what opportunities the financial industry sees because of the advances in technology? Technologies like information, communication, digitization, artificial intelligence, cloud computing, blockchain, and Internet of Things. Yeah, I mean, uh, you uh, mentioned uh, lots of technologies that are actually impacting the financial industry because, uh, as you know, I mean, this industry has been quite old now. It's a very uh, mature industry. Uh, business processes are very well known. Uh, usually, they rely on very uh, old technologies, uh, IT legacy, and there is, uh, uh, for that reason, I mean, there are lots of opportunities for improvement. And the technology now is so mature that it brings some new capabilities for the, for the banks and for insurance companies. And they can uh, use uh, these new technologies first to optimize their own business, uh, to improve their efficiency, but also to address new markets. And what we are seeing you know, in emerging countries where mobile is used to, to basically bank people, to give um, people access to financial services, uh, is a great opportunity for a financial institution to um, to basically open new markets, uh, increase their uh, their market potential. Yes, yes, no, that is true. Now, what do you think are the main growth drivers of this entire new ecosystem that is being redesigned and re you know built at this moment for the financial industry? Yeah, I think the first one is uh, definitely uh, financial inclusion. And uh, when I speak about financial inclusion, it's, of course, what we all have in mind in terms of, um, you know, what is happening in emerging countries where lots of people can now have access to financial services, but also what could happen in more uh, developed countries uh, where some people were excluded anyway from the financial industry uh, for many, many reasons. 
Uh, and so for instance, just to give you this example of peer-to-peer uh, -peer lending, uh, we can consider that peer-to-peer -peer lending is providing a new way uh, for some people mm -hmm. to have access to uh, loans. Uh, these guys were uh, not able to have uh, access um, to loans because of their credit score or whatever. Uh, but technology is now bringing a new opportunity for, for them to have access to financial services. So the first driver is definitely financial inclusion. The second one is, uh, uh, I would say, providing uh, more services instead of, uh, you know, just product. Uh, so we know that the finance, I mean, the, the global economic context is very difficult for uh, banks and insurance companies with, in some places, low interest rates. So they have to uh, find a new way to make uh, money. Uh, and so providing new services is another uh, key driver. And the last one, of course, which is kind of related, is about operational efficiency, automation, intelligence artificial, uh, basically to replace you know, any kind of very um, manual processes, uh, manual procedures, uh, which can be done now with uh, computers or with uh, machines. Yes, yes. No, those are really great opportunities and so many uh, advantages uh, that this technology provides and it brings to each and every sector of the financial industry. So from your uh, perspective, what, which financial sectors you think are more vulnerable to disruption because of this, all these technological advances? Well, I think the, definitely it started and uh, it's still ongoing in the retail banking industry. Um, and it probably started with payment. Uh, when you look at payment now, the payment landscape, uh, well, just speaking about the United States, you know, now banks are only counting for 10% uh, of uh, international transfer. Uh, so this has been probably the first area where banks have been uh, disrupted. And now, you know, it's moving from retail banking uh, to uh, more uh, private banking and uh, insurance business. Um, RoboAdvisor is definitely a place where private banks, um, of course, they can leverage that, but they see newcomers uh, trying to disrupt their business model, targeting you know, the, uh, the low part of the market. Um, and that corporate and investment banking is probably the last area where uh, technology is going to... Um, to be uh, used and to, to come and to change the model. And for that last part, probably blockchain is going to be a, a good way to, um, to see new entrants, newcomers, uh, trying to compete with uh, corporate and investment banks. I see, I see. From, so from your observations, where, which technologies you see that is very promising for the financial industry and where the more investment is going, uh, depending on, you know, your exposure to this industry? Yeah, I think we have to uh, probably to uh, separate, uh, you know, the retail uh, industry. So let's say retail banking, uh, probably insurance uh, and uh, corporate and investment banking, or let's say the wholesale uh, banking. Uh, when it comes to retail banking, uh, I think the mobile technology and everything you can think about, everything you can do on your mobile, how you can use your mobile, is definitely um, uh, probably the most uh, used technology. Uh, we had lots of newcomers in that area, uh, you know, having mobile first approach, designing offer uh, for mobile, uh, using the mobile to, for payments, uh, to provide, you know, uh, real-time uh, advice. So definitely mobile is, um, is, uh, is a 
I mean, has been the most promising technology, and I guess is still the most promising technology. Uh, and then when it comes to uh, corporate and investment banking, I would say that uh, artificial intelligence, um, machine learning, uh, and at some, at some extent, um, blockchain um, is definitely something really interesting to look at because, um, I mean, the whole point of uh, this industry is it's to get more and more automated, to get more automation, and to uh, get less and less uh, um, manual with, uh, with people you know, doing some basic uh, tasks. Uh, so I guess machine learning uh, is definitely the other technology I would select when it comes yes. to uh, wholesale banking. Yes, very true. And you made some really good distinction that for retail, uh, right now the mobility, mobile phones, and because everyone is going towards smartphones, so that is a really important technology. And uh, the financial sector is taking advantage of that. And you are right about that, that artificial intelligence and machine learning, when you look at the corporate uh, banking and uh, uh, industrial banking, that uh, that's where you see a lot of uh, innovations happening. A lot of uh, we are hearing many uh, stories that you know asset banking. You see the artificial intelligence or uh, based uh, you know products that have come out. The innovations they are pretty much you know taking over the uh, research analyst job. You know, so research uh, it's so easy for uh, you know these artificial intelligence. Uh, uh, based machines, uh, so sort of like intelligent machines to take over those roles. And blockchain, we are seeing a lot of advances in currency. I mean, we are not going to address too much about the digital currency in this session today because we just had a separate session on digital currency. But there, there is a whole new focus on the digital currency. And blockchain is uh, the fun fundamental technology that they are uh, planning to use. and other than that, other than uh, the the uh, digital currency, there are a lot of other areas where blockchain technology is being used and explored. Uh, can you share your insight into why this blockchain technology seems to be critically important to banks, and especially you see so many startups popping up, uh, use trying to use blockchain technology for the benefit of the banking sector. Yeah, I think um, so. Blockchain is a very interesting topic, definitely. Uh, as you mentioned, it started with uh, digital currency and uh, payments. Uh, once again, um, my feeling is that uh, banks are now trying to leverage blockchain more. Uh, I would say on an automation uh, purpose, so they are trying to automate their own processes and to make sure you know uh, they can clear, they can settle um, uh, operation and transactions. Um, some banks, um, I mean, for me, the two most promising actually um, use of blockchain, uses of blockchain are first identity management and second uh, micropayments. Identity management because um, uh, with blockchain, you know, you can create this kind of uh, uh, profile where you have all your data. And as a user, I can decide when and to and, and, to, and with whom I want to uh, share my uh, personal data. You know, I don't have to, uh, if I need to prove that I am a French citizen, I don't have to give my passport to the bank. Um, I can decide to just to share the fact that I've got this proof that I'm a US citizen and I don't need to share my address, how much uh, 
I uh, wait, uh, what are the color of my, uh, what is the color of my uh, eyes and so on, you know, so I can definitely select the kind of data I want to share. And the second is micropayment, uh, because as you know, I mean, the, I mean, transferring money is very, very expensive right now, so it's not that all efficient. But with the blockchain technology, you can uh, uh, send money, a uh, very uh, small amount of money, like one or two cents or even 10 cents. And so this is creating a new economy, actually, um, because uh, if you think about content management, for instance, you can get paid for a post you do on Facebook or any other social media or any blog. Uh, and of course, you're not going to pay a huge amount of uh, money or dollars. You are just getting a few cents. And with blockchain, this is um, uh, feasible, you know. Um, so these are the two main uh, drivers. When it, come to, uh, when it comes to coming back to banks, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny to see that they are all trying to build their own blockchain. So basically, they are turning blockchain, which is a total open uh, concept, to something very uh, close and, uh, and limited to a certain number of uh, participants, which is, for me, the opposite way of, uh, of uh, considering blockchain, you know? Um, so it seems that they are trying to, uh, to limit, actually, the power of blockchain trying to master it and trying to limit it to their own uh, use, which is um, kind, of, kind of strange, you know, <laughs> right Yes, now. yes, absolutely. And you give some really uh, good examples about the micropayments and the identity management. That would be, so the, the, one, the one you talked about identity management, is that already uh, being commercially used or it is still being, uh, you know, tested? No, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's starting obviously. So what I described is not yet there, but we are seeing some application, especially uh, when it comes to uh, KYC, so know your customer uh, issues, you know, where we are seeing some startups um, providing some KYC services based on blockchain. And uh, the full point of this kind of solutions is to say that your identity is something you own as a user, as a client, yes. and you don't, so basically you share your data with the banks. So there is one kind of uh, shared ledger where all, the, all your information is there. And, if the, and basically you can transfer the access to your data to a bank and then to another bank and so on and so on. So, um, so we, are, we, are trying, we are starting to, seeing, to see some um, this kind of uh, technology, but um, um, I think it's definitely going to be uh, more and more. Yes. Uh, KYC is a, such a hot topic for uh, for banks that we yes, could expect absolutely. many, many solutions. Yes, uh, very true, very true, very true. The, and it's so advantageous because these innovations, uh, like, you know, lending, uh, micro uh, micro transfer of money or uh, micro marketplace lending, and they all will, in a sense, transform the legacy banking operations and take it to the next generation. So it, it is so useful for, you know, and there are so many benefits for the end consumers here. Yeah, and I think you, you just mentioned something very uh, important about the legacy and uh, actually blockchain is going to succeed only if you manage, I mean, from the bank point of view, you know, to integrate blockchain from end to end, which is to say to connect as well some blockchain services to your legacy. Um, and, and this is where it's, it's becoming very uh, difficult for banks, you know, because transforming uh, their IT legacy is a very, very uh, um, <laughs> difficult and complex project. It is. Um, 
So I'm not sure actually we are going to see, you know, so many innovations coming from banks just for that reason, because it will work for them only if they can uh, connect blockchain or integrate blockchain into their legacy, if they can change, you know, all their business processes. And so probably uh, blockchain is going to become mainstream, not because of banks, uh, but because of uh, new use, because of new entrants, new commerce, which are going to, uh, to, to take blockchain to another level. And, and especially, I mean, you know, considering that banks are trying to limit and to constrain uh, the blockchain power uh, just between themselves uh, makes me feel that, okay, it's probably going to come from outside bank, the banking industry. <laughs> that is true. Thank that you. is true. That's a good point that you made, that the innovations we will see, they will come out from outside the bank. And I mean, we see that banks are already coming under increased pressure because of all these technology giants, because a major concern for the big banks is that their business services are now being offered by technology companies like Apple or Google or Facebook or Amazon because each of these technology companies, they already have a huge customer base and they can build on their customer relationship they already have existing and yeah. just give them, you know, give them the financial services provide yeah. them the financial services. So banks are at a huge risk. So where is this going? I mean, the banks must be feeling a lot of threat because of this. Yeah, I mean, when we, so when we discuss with our clients, I mean, uh, you have two ways to look at that, you know, so it's true that, you know, some newcomers are trying to position themselves themselves in the game. And basically what they are doing is they are taking the relationship with the customers. And, and basically they are positioning themselves, of course, where the value is. So they are taking lots of um, value from the total uh, value chain. Um, at the same time, uh, when you look at the impact for the banking industry, except some very specific niche, like the one I was mentioning earlier, you know, about international uh, uh, transfer, the, the, the market share that these new entrants are taking is quite small, actually. So just coming back to Lending Club, Lending Club is representing like a few percent of the total market, loan market, uh, market in the US, you know. So from a bank, from, from the bank's point of view, it's not yet such, uh, you know, a threat. It is, but not so big. And I guess they are not considering it uh, as, as a huge potential, as a huge threat so far. This is point, uh, point one. The second point is to say that, okay, in any case, uh, banks or financial institutions are required because they are, um, you know, supporting the regulatory compliance. They are supporting regulatory constraints. So still you have uh, financial institutions that could provide their assets and their uh, IT legacy anyway, because when it comes you know, to managing lots of operations, lots of transactions, managing security, providing transparency to the regulator, you have to, 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 to have this uh, very powerful uh, IT, uh, system, IT systems here. And so banks still have a place you know, to play, uh, still have a role to play actually in that, uh, in that uh, new, new business context. Yes. Um, and, and so, of course, it's going to be a totally different uh, positioning that, than the ones they have today. Maybe they are going to get out of the game when it comes to customer relationship. 
but they will still be able to value the fact that they are regulatory compliance and they have this very powerful IT. Uh, the question is, you know, do they really want to go in that direction? Because it's, uh, of course, meaning a new kind of business, less revenues, probably. Um, but if the threat I was mentioning earlier is becoming very, very uh, important and the new entrants are taking a huge uh, market share, maybe they won't have any choices than to go into that direction. Yes, but you, you did make a very good point about the regulatory environment and uh, for the technology companies to meet all those regulatory uh, constraints and the regulatory requirements is going to be very difficult and uh, that's why I think you made an important point that banks will always have play an important role and they will have a place going yeah. forward but let's talk about the internet of things how do you think internet of things is driving the financial industry are the banks pushing the variable applications um, I would say uh, for me, Internet of Things is more related to uh, insurance, to the insurance industry, uh, because it can provide some very interesting uh, data about uh, the customer, the user. Uh, and so um, when it comes to uh, trying to prevent, you know, any, uh, any uh, problems, uh, basically what insurance companies want to do is really to prevent claims because claims are uh, costing them uh, money. Uh, so with Internet of Things, they can collect many, many data uh, preventing claims. And of course, you know, when it comes to risk assessment, risk scoring, the more data you have, uh, the better it is. So Internet of Things are very useful for them uh, in that uh, particular context. So I would say Internet of Things uh, is more, um, is more uh, relevant for, uh, for the insurance business. I see. But uh, it seems that only a small percentage of financial industry banking currently support variables. So it seems that they don't probably don't see variables in their future, even though we are already seeing the smart watches and some other, you know, uh, internet IoT based uh, variables uh, emerging in the marketplace. But we don't see that much push. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, when it comes to uh, wearable, it's really a matter of, uh, I mean, the customer is deciding at the end, you know, and if there is no use case for the customer, I mean, there's no point for banks to, to push in that direction. Um, if you think about, you know, uh, just uh, retail banking, so basically 90% uh, of interactions with, uh, with the bank as a customer, from the customers, is to uh, basically look at the at the balance account you know so it's very basic information so for that you don't want to have some very um, powerful wearable we just you just want you know to receive as an alert uh, the balance of your account um, so I guess so far use cases are not there uh, and so probably for banks I mean it doesn't make sense to invest so much in that direction my feeling is that banks are investing much more in um, artificial intelligence, uh, chatbot, and uh, you know any kind of interaction you can think about having with your customer. So, for for, for instance, using uh, Alexa or Echo from Amazon, just to add some new way to interact with your customers. And this is a perfect example when you can have your chatbot basically speaking uh, with your customer at home through this. Um, Amazon, Amazon um, uh, device. And this is a way, uh, this is the direction we are seeing our clients uh, taking. 
banks and insurance company building some new uh, services to interact with their clients as much as they can and wherever they can and especially uh, at home where you know people have time to think about their finance and start yeah. planning for stuff and everything yes very true now earlier you made an important point about the micropayments uh, using blockchain technology how to transfer money and that is a big boost of cost cutting for the banking and they, that's why there is a huge interest from the banking sector about using blockchain technology for transferring money but it also seems that banks and insurance companies and many other uh, companies are trying to work out how they can adapt the technology so that in a, they can allow consumers and suppliers to connect directly and form the you know digital networks and thereby removing the need for middleman so the middleman seems to be facing existential risk here so what impact do we see because of that and who do you think will be impacted which middleman when you talk about the broader you know financial industry which you know sectors or which segment of the financial industry is at risk because of this need or because of this desire by the banking sector to you know go forward in a way to connect directly with the consumers yeah i mean yeah this is a very good point so um, uh, for sure i mean payment uh, is impacted international transfer is impacted is impacted we know that uh, the middleman or let's say the correspondent banking Correspondent bank um, might be replaced uh, with the blockchain, as we have some example already with uh, Ripple, who's basically uh, replacing the correspondent uh, banks. Um, so payment is one. Uh, clearing and settlement, uh, definitely. Uh, Swift uh, might be replaced uh, if banks manage to, you know, work uh, all together and build this kind of uh, private blockchain. Um, I think, you know, if we think a little bit more forward, uh, maybe, uh, you know, insurance companies might be uh, removed out of the game as well, because um, what blockchain uh, does is really to build this new uh, environment where trust is embedded, you know, there is not a third party which is bringing trust, so people can interact together uh, in this trustful uh, environment, uh, which is more or less what insurance companies are doing, you know, they gather uh, users which are able to share risks but if you are able to do that on a blockchain technology without any middleman uh, and if you can automate you know claims management um, I mean insurance companies are no longer uh, necessary um, we are trying we are starting you know, to see some kind of example with the uh, uh, dynamis uh, insure insure eth which are basically leveraging blockchain technology to provide some niche insurance services so it's still niche but it can uh, grow and become uh, wider and wider um so it, it started with payment but definitely it can it can be much uh, bigger and the insurance industry might be impacted ah uh, that would be very interesting to yeah. see what impact the insurance industry will have wow that would be amazing i didn't uh, i haven't read much about that uh, out you know published literature about how the insurance industry could be impacted because of the uh, blockchain but if you talk about in role of insurance when it comes to risk management i do see that they can play a some role you know when it comes to managing even cyber security risk using the blockchain technology probably insurance company can join hands with the risk management industry 
and they can play an effective role but again let's see you know how uh, it shapes up in the coming years but now the if you talk about the blockchain the basic fundamental uh, the foundation of the blockchain the bitcoin on which it was uh, based was the whole concept of decentralization yeah so, to not have any central authority Yes. But you are seeing so many, you know, developments happening in parallel where if you just talk very briefly, I was not uh, planning to talk about the digital currency here, uh, cryptocurrency especially, but it seems that there are several parallel efforts going on. Some are, you know, trying to develop the cryptocurrency based on a decentralized model. And some people, uh, some groups are trying to work based on a centralized model where there would be some authority to provide that kind of trust that there is someone watching over this cryptocurrency and you, you won't have to worry about uh, uh, who is in charge. Like a lot of people have this fear that, you know, who is in charge of this money and is there some government backing or someone backing? So the same idea that no central authority as we see in the blockchain model of decentralization i mean the possibilities are limitless now when we look at innovations that could help secure customer or any client base from a, across you know nations geographical boundaries the potential is so huge so what possibilities do you see because i think using this kind of technology blockchain and artificial intelligence and machine learning you are, you know, basically blurring the boundaries between the, you know, the geographical uh, boundaries. So there is no, you don't, uh, your efforts are not focused only on one single nation. Your, what you are developing could be, you know, used across, you know, your nation's geographical boundaries. So there's so many possibilities. What do you think excites the financial industry because of decentralized model? No, I think uh, you described it uh, very well. Actually, it's really about uh, scalability. So with these uh, technologies, kind of technologies, you can, uh, you know, uh, be positioned wherever uh, you want in the world. So scalability is definitely uh, very interesting. And uh, when I say scalability, I mean, you know, more and more, uh, the largest volume of customer you can think about. Um, so in terms of cost optimization, of course, the more customer you have, the, the lower the cost per customer is. So this is very interesting for, for everybody. Uh, we have to keep in mind as well that this technology is more like a kind of a framework that you can deploy everywhere, as you said. So you don't have to redevelop everything. You know, you, you can use this framework and make it work. Um, I won't say very easily, but everything is ready to be, to be deployed. Um, there is one limit anyway, you know, about this scalability is once again, I mean, regulation, you know, because so far you tend to have a kind of regulation per, per zone, per country or per, uh, uh, yeah, uh, geography or area. Um, and this is probably, you know, the most, uh, the, the, the biggest limit actually, because you have to, uh, to, to, to work in each country with the local regula regulation maybe you want to apply for a license uh, you need to do some kind of specific uh, reporting per country so scalability is, is, is possible on one hand if you just look at the technology if you look at the regulatory constraints well it, it, it might be a little bit more uh, complex than that unfortunately <laughs> yes yes very true now uh, you, we, we just talked briefly about that uh, using this technology you 
nobody can force the identity or nobody can force the document and i think that is very exciting to a lot of you know even governments and it seems governments are also evaluating blockchain potential like i i was reading that honduras is using blockchain to handle the land titles now that is uh, that is uh, for so many nations that is these kind of services are so important because uh, there are a lot of uh, fraudulent documents happening and uh, the uh, owners the consumers i mean poor guys little guys they yeah. a lot of times they suffer because of that because they have a piece of paper and they uh, they think that you know they do have the ownership of that they have the title for that but when actually time time comes then you know they realize that someone else is the owner and they the title was no longer uh, valid so uh, these kind of services seems to be so appealing to protect the little guys the common man uh, from your understanding how many nations uh, are working government treasuries especially or you know government agencies are working to use the potential of blockchain to transform uh, their government agencies um yeah i think uh, i won't be able to give you a precise number uh, but i think you know most of the governments uh, are looking at that uh, some of them are more advanced probably than others i think the uk government the singapore government are very uh, keen you know to look uh, at the at the possibilities on blockchain I mean, if you look at it from a government point of view, I mean, blockchain is great, you know, because it's digital, it's transparent, and it's a perfect tool to track any kind of transactions, any kind of uh, operation, whatever. So, uh, and it is the same actually for any uh, digital uh, operation. You know, when it's digital, it means that somewhere it has been stored uh, in one IT system. So for a government, it's very easy to, to, to monitor and to track any kind of uh, operations. It's, it's basically, I mean, when it's digital, it's the end of uh, the black market, you know, because everything is, um, is, uh, is, uh, is recorded in some place. Um, so, uh, so all governments are looking at that. Um, you mentioned, uh, land, uh, ownership, but, uh, I was reading um, this article where I think more than one billion uh, of people on earth do not, cannot prove their identity. And you know that without an identity, you can do nothing actually. So yeah. one billion, it's, it's, it's huge. Uh, and blockchain can provide a very uh, cost-effective uh, way to, 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 to record you know, identity for everybody and to give identity to anybody on earth, which is definitely, you know, the minimum you should have. Uh, and so it's, it's for government, it's another way uh, to, to look at blockchain. Yes, that, that, that is such a, uh, this technology provides so much hope for legitimacy, for accountability, yeah. and for ownership. So this is, uh, I, I'm, I hope that in the coming years, we see more and more initiatives coming up. I was reading that Citigroup has created Citicoin a digital currency that you know also is based on uh, the blockchain the cryptocurrency and uh, there are 
so many other banks like Barclays and UBS, they all have so many different initiatives going on in trial phase. Of course, you know, they, they are supporting the startups and they are sometimes they have the internal startups, internal ventures where they are testing out this technology to uh, provide different services. So based on your knowledge, what initiatives are underway for the future of banking, where it would impact the future of banking? Well, yeah, it will definitely impact the future of banking. Um, so far, I mean, we are seeing lots of proof of concept, lots of, of trials, but uh, nothing or very, very limited number of uh, projects are really live. Um, we are seeing um, many, you know, cryptocurrency created, but the ones that you were mentioning, I mean, they are used for internal purposes. So it's not like Bitcoin, you know, open to everybody. Um, I mean, banks are very uh, keen to uh, to explore that area. Um, I mean, as I said earlier, I'm not sure actually uh, banks are going to push blockchain to become uh, mainstream. Um, I think it's going to come from outside the banking uh, uh, industry. Uh, but definitely banks are, you know, building this environment where everybody can connect. Um, and as you said, I mean, there are so many startups working in that area. Uh, I think that the, one of the main benefits from uh, blockchain is really to make banks think differently, you know, and they are removing this silo approach. They are trying to rethink completely their uh, internal business processes. Just because blockchain creates this new way of thinking, removing third party, removing middleman. So they have to think differently. And, and, and with so many people interested into uh, blockchain technology, it brings, you know, many, many uh, intelligence to the discussions because uh, guys coming from startups, guys interested in the technology inside the banks. I mean, well, they are all gathering together, you know, it creates such a, a, a dynamic, such a powerful uh, thinking that is great yeah. for uh, reinventing the banking uh, industry. Absolutely. And you made a really important point that, you know, they want to break the barriers of silo, working in silo. They want to remove the middleman. That, that is a good idea. And I, I hope they build on that because right now you will see that even though, as you said, that, you know, they are trying to break the barriers of working in silo, we still see so many initiatives going on to build blockchain based this kind of permissionless systems which is like not decentralized if you talk about just the cryptocurrency there are two parallel as i just you know talk before a few minutes that there are parallel you know efforts going on some of them are trying to create that cryptocurrency based on the decentralized model and some are saying that it would not work we need a centralized model so they are trying to work you know towards centralized model so this is I think a con the concern is fair and legitimate because everyone is so used to having someone backing the currency. So this concern that to build closed or permissioned only blockchain based network, do you see a need for that? And do you see that, you know, the industry first has to come together to decide whether they want to go towards decentralized model or whether they want to go towards the permissioned only, you know, blockchain based network, because until they decide on that, until they agree on that, there are going to be so many parallel efforts going on. And in the end, we will see that it's going to be still fragmented. There is still going to be silo approach. 
Yeah, I think it's a very good uh, question. So actually, there are two different uh, answers, I would say. So the first one is when you think about permission uh, blockchain, um, there is a, a huge impact on security, you know, because the less number of people you have in the, in the, in the blockchain, uh, the less security is, of course, because blockchain is based on consensus. So the more people participating to the consensus, the more securities and the less uh, probable you have to, to get somebody coming up and uh, hijacking, you know, the full uh, blockchain. Um, so this is this is one one point. Um, on the, at the same time, I mean, if you look at um, and as you mentioned, you know, different cryptocurrency and maybe some people are looking to back up cryptocurrency just to make sure, you know, they are not going to lose their money. I think the key point is not really about having somebody backing up the cryptocurrency. It's definitely to have a use around the cryptocurrency, because actually, what 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 is um, what can have uh, a huge impact is speculation. You know, and and we have seen that with uh, with uh, the DAO. We have seen that with uh, many uh, new uh, cryptocurrency. At the beginning, there is a huge uh, increase of the price because people are speculating that it's going to be successful. Then the long term, people are leaving, coming back, and so on. And so the volatility is very, very uh, important. Um, if you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is becoming more uh, a currency. Uh, it's more mature, so the vol volatility is going down, like any other uh, assets. Bitcoin, for Bitcoin, there is a use. You know, uh, we know that it's going to be uh, either a currency, maybe it's going to be a kind of uh, asset where you want to invest, where everything around you is going wrong. Uh, so there is a use. For all the others, as long as there is no a, a very clear use for people, speculation is going to be uh, driving um, the price, and, and this is not good. You know, you have to be sure that it's grounded on something, on the use. Um, and, 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 and this is where, you know, maybe um, having a third party which is backing the value of the cryptocurrency is interesting. And this is where actually I see some opportunity for some big financial institution to become like the market maker of a cryptocurrency based on something they have to figure out. Uh, but definitely you cannot rely only on speculation you know, because if, if it's only that, it's not going to work because as a user, I don't want to invest in such a volatile um, asset. Very true, very true. And also there's another factor that we need to consider is the ability to you know the scalability rather i would say that whether we would be able to all these innovations and all these new products and technology and processes that we are you know based on which we are trying to transform the financial industry whether it is scalable whether the technology is scalable in an efficient manner that is also something we need to address is the financial industry paying attention to this you know scalability factor yeah, definitely, and, and, and that's why uh, they, I think they are trying to build some uh, closed-loop uh, blockchain or permission uh, blockchain because they want to control, you know, the, the, the volume of activity on their blockchain. Um, and especially if you compare, you know, blockchain capabilities or Bitcoin capabilities to uh, payment processing capabilities, there is a huge difference. Um, but my feeling is that, you know, uses are different, so you don't want to compare exactly that. Scalability is for sure an issue, um, but if you compare, you know, the development of blockchain to the development of internet at the very beginning, 
uh, it's very similar. You know, at the beginning of internet, you had different uh, network, different uh, kind of protocol, and then everything come, uh, came up together, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think we are probably not yet there because it, it, it won't be good to have a standard yet uh, because blockchain is still exploring, you know, different... I mean, there are so many uh, blockchain technologies, so you don't want to limit them in one standard. So we have to wait a little bit more to see where the technology is going. And then I guess the standard will come up um, like that, you know, because it's, it's, it, it, it makes sense to have a standard at some point, but not yet there. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, when we, when we read or review the information that has been published about the financial sector or the future of banking, you see the vision that they have put together, the vision about the potential of future banking is that banking without bankers or operations without infrastructure or trading without traders or merger acquisitions without advisors or lending without deposits or service, you know, without bankers or payments without middlemen. So there is a pretty, you know, very fundamentally different vision than you that you see about the banking, the future of the banking than we what we see today, you know, in banking. But there is, you know, a couple of areas in that they're really troubling is that one is the trading without traders. Now, when we talk about trading without traders, some people uh, say that, you know, it is high frequency trading. Some people say that there are already artificial intelligence based algorithms yeah. that are quite capable of trading on yeah. their own. Now, yeah. when we talk about these kind of uh, advances that are coming our way, you worry about a lot of, uh, you know, different playing field because if if we talk about let's say uh, trading based on the artificial intelligence based algorithms now if that is used by you know institutions or you know entities or individuals who are capable of affording that or who has that technology not everyone will have this technology so what would happen to this you know trading that we see across nations right now all the you know uh, current uh, stock exchanges where you know a lot of individuals are trading so how would you see the level playing field because uh, some of them would be making lot will have the advantage of using the artificial intelligence based algorithms and they would have huge returns because of that you know extra that intelligence that they have non human intelligence Whereas most of the people across nations, they will be using just a human intelligence. So there are a lot of, you know, imbalances that we see will be occurring in the coming years. And that is a cause of concern. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good point. And um, I, 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 well, I mean, I think, you know, it's already happening, actually, because today you have two kind of people, you know, the one well, we know who knows the information and the others actually and the one who knows making uh, are making much more money than the others um, so my feeling is that okay this information knowledge is moving to the next level maybe with uh, okay now you don't have to just look for information you can use uh, artificial intelligence to uh, anticipate you know the information and to be <clears throat> much more uh, much clever because you can forecast the future. Um, so 
I mean, tomorrow we, we, we are still going to have the two kind of people, you know, the one who knows or the one who are able to anticipate the future and the others. But I, I mean, it's not going to change from today. Uh, we still have these two kind of people. Um, and, 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 you know, coming back to blockchain, it's, it's kind of interesting to say that blockchain is supposed to bring transparency, you know, that everybody should have access to the same information with no middleman. Um, this should, should be the ideal world, but the reality is that, I mean, transparency and banks are financial, or transparency and finance, I mean, usually they are not going well together, you know, it's very uh, unusual to see uh, transparency in the financial, uh, in the financial industry. So it, it's strange to see that banks are so interested in blockchain. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, coming, so, so this is where, you know, information is key. Uh, being able to know the information now or in the future is going to make a huge difference. I agree, but for me, it's not going to be different than what we have today, actually. Yes, very true, very true. Now, as we see the digitization effort, you know, continues for this financial industry, yeah. users, consumers, citizens, they all will expect banking experiences to be more like, you know, their experience with other industries where it is simple. It's yeah. convenient. It's, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, the uh, things happen in shopping based on the product marketing happens because of the user referral. So Absolutely. all the other industries experiences are, you know, cent focus, centered around all these uh, very simplistic, you know, consumer expectations. So do you think that the financial technology innovators are focusing on these expectations of simplicity, convenience, and user reference? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we had uh, we had a three-step approach in the financial industry. So first, they were really focusing on products, so they were product-centric. Then they understood that client, customer is really important, so they become like client-centric. So that they tried actually to build some uh, um, some new channel to interact uh, much more with the clients. And now they are becoming use-centric, which is what you mentioned about simplicity, uh, being, being straight to the point, uh, and you know, answering a need for, from, uh, from the client instead of trying to be uh, some kind of, uh, any kind of services. Uh, and I think when it comes to retail banking, we are seeing lots of uh, initiative in that area, you know. Um, so first, it, it, it came from startups such as Simple in the US or Moven in the US. Um, but now banks have understood that, okay, they need to be much more focused, much simpler, and makes things uh, very uh, easy for the users. And just to give an example, you know, as a user, when I, when I think of what I would like to do, you know, in my day-to-day -day banking activities, is basically very simple, you know, it's to be able to pay to uh, look at my uh, balance account and to save money for my, uh, you know, short-term uh, needs like uh, paying my rent at the end of the month or preparing my holiday uh, breaks for Thanksgiving. Um, this is very basic. And actually, I don't care about, you know, uh, current accounts, saving accounts. I don't care about uh, having a credit card on one hand, uh, go online and pay with PayPal on the other hand. So what I want is to have this consistent user experience where, where I can just pay whatever the payment mean is. I can just con uh, look at my balance, uh, of course, get paid on this, uh, this, um, this uh, support and they save money, you know. 
Um, and, and, and we are seeing some banks, you know, moving in that direction and trying to remove all of the banking uh, uh, wording and replace it by uh, customer needs, actually. What the client is really looking for and what he wants, what he expects to find in, this, uh, in his day-to-day uh, -day life. And this is definitely inspired, as you mentioned, by other industries. Um, and as a client, I mean, as a user, we are all used to live in, in this connected world, digital world, where we have very uh, simple, easy, uh, straight to the point experience. So we expect to have the same in the, in the banking uh, industry. Yes, yes. Now, earlier you mentioned uh, peer to peer payments, and it seems that the peer to pay peer payments is rising rapidly. By, can you explain the phenomenon behind that? That what is you know sh uh, triggering this rise in peer-to-peer -peer payment when you look at the financial industry? Yeah, I think the first point is really to uh, to uh, I mean basically to be able to interact between uh, between people. So peer-to-peer uh, -peer interaction is definitely part of our day-to-day -day life, of course, in the physical world, but now more and more in the digital world with uh, Facebook and everything. So we want to be able to connect directly to our peers, and it should be the same to be able to send a message to somebody than to send money to, uh, to this person as well. Uh, this is one, one, one key uh, direction. Uh, the second is, uh, you know, removing uh, the, the, making the experience simple, as you said. Um, if you want to uh, transfer money to somebody right now, going through your bank, you know, it's very difficult. You have to ask for the bank account uh, of the people you want to send money, go online, uh, input all the data, and so on. It's very complex. Uh, if you just go to PayPal, it's very easy to send money to a mobile uh, phone number or an email address. Simplicity is definitely uh, key. And then I think there is another uh, topic, which is, um, uh, you know, all the newcomers basically are trying to benefit from a gray zone when it comes to regulation. And uh, what we could see in peer-to-peer -peer lending, for instance, is exactly that. You know, they are trying to, they are leveraging the possibility to connect two people together uh, without taking the risk, actually. So they are transferring the risk to the investor and so the bank in the middle or the third party in the middle is not taking any risk. Uh, so from a regulatory compliance, it makes huge difference. So I think there is on one hand, you know, the needs for people to be directly connected to each other and to make tr money transfer as simple as it is to send a message. And on the other hand, uh, some opportunities to let's say, um, be less constrained uh, by the regulatory environment uh, working directly um, between peers. Yes, yes, very true. Now, in, in the beginning, you made an important point about mobility, that yep. how that is uh, transforming and shaping uh, the financial industry of tomorrow, and the banking especially. And it, it seems that uh, the mobile platforms for innovative payment models and commerce capabilities uh, are transforming, uh, as you suggested in the beginning. and. There are many different initiatives you see, like Austral Australian Multinational Bank also recently launched a, a mobile application that lets their uh, customers view their current balance and uh, or even also find the nearest ATM 
so there are a lot of applications are developing a lot of banks are you know putting their effort towards that so from your perspective in what ways consumers are benefiting because of all these advances happening in the mobile mobile sector in the for the uh, for the smartphones for the uh, mobility you know that uh, is kept at the center by all these uh, banks and the banking industry yeah i think um, and this is very uh, very true i mean banks are definitely leveraging the mobile to bring more services to their customers um, i can't remember who but somebody said that the smartphone is basically the the, the brain amplifier you know for everybody so when you have a, a smartphone, you, you, you can get smarter because you, you have more information and especially <clears throat> you have uh, this information in real time. So for banks, um, it's uh, okay. It's interesting to look at your balance. Uh, it's interesting to know where is the closest branch. Uh, it's interesting to look at the way you have spent your money. But what is really interesting is to get advice, you know, uh, on the spot, I would say. So, uh, you, um, you, um, if you get advice on should you spend this uh, amount of money right now, or maybe you have to wait because uh, if you uh, if you can uh, you know get some uh, uh, some some scoring about uh, do you. Uh, can you afford this uh, loan or not? Uh, you want to buy something, if you can get, even if it's a micro uh, credit, you know, uh, if you can have it in real time, it's, it's very interesting. So all of this, this advice you could get on your mobile. That, that uh, is so you, easy. Yeah, helping you the future and not to look back uh, is, is really interesting. And I think uh, many, many banks are going into that direction. Yes. And, uh, and, and this is the way they should go, you know, because as a user, I want to be advised. I don't want to just receive information from what happened in the past. Yes, very true, very true. Now, when we look at the investment uh, from, I'm not sure if this is the accurate number, but from what I got for, based on the published literature is that in 2015, that about $23 billion were invested for the financial industry technology transformation initiatives. I'm not sure yeah. if this is an accurate number, but what, where are the investments going based on your uh, knowledge? Well, I mean, uh, probably uh, the most part, important part would go to um, uh, digit, digit, digitization of uh, processes. So it's more about like uh, internal transformation, I would say. Uh, probably the same amount would go to um, customer interactions, like as you mentioned, you know, mobile, but any kind of uh, uh, digital platform you can think about. And I guess uh, we are seeing a new category emerging, which is really about uh, uh, linked to regulatory uh, compliance again, you know, uh, reg tech. Uh, which is to say how you can, how digital capabilities can help the bank to be uh, regulatory compliant or to report um, to the regulators. Um, and this is probably uh, the, the, the piece that is going to, to get more and more traction uh, in the future. Yes, very true. Now, as the technology transforms financial industry, what are your main, you know, main concerns? Where do you see the need for more effort? 
Well, I mean, still, when it comes to, uh, you know, being uh, youth-centric, uh, we are still far away, I think, from, uh, from what, as, a users, as, as users, we are all expecting, you know. Uh, banks, I mean, banking is still very complex. Day-to-day um, -day banking okay, is becoming clearer and clearer. But when you think about, you know, uh, your future, how you want to uh, plan your retirement, how you want to plan for the education of your kids, this is still very, very complex. So I think um, uh, banks um, would have to invest a lot in, in, in you know, how, how can they nudge uh, customers toward financial health and make sure, you know, everybody has a full level of services in terms of financial um, uh, product or, or, yeah, or coverage, let's say, uh, that, we, that we would need. So everybody should understand, you know, that retirement is something you need to plan very in advance. You need to plan many things in advance and, and banks should, uh, should help people to do that and have the capabilities actually to do that. Nice. This is one. And I think the second is definitely um, um, coming back to, uh, to my first, one of my first points, you know, financial inclusion. Uh, worldwide, I guess, probably, uh, I don't have the, the right number uh, in mind, but I would say, I don't know, more than two-thirds of, uh, of uh, people living on Earth do not have access to full range of financial services. And, and this is definitely something that needs to be changed. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's an advantage for banks as well, you know, because it's, it's a new market for them. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's a win-win, you know. It's, it's a win for people having access to financial services and it's a win for banks because they can increase their market share. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. No, very true. Now, thank you, Patrick, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We no. appreciate your thoughtful thank insight on the financial industry technology transformation uh, information that you shared. Our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided on blockchain and artificial intelligence and mobile mobility and uh, so many other areas where uh, that are being explored to bring meaningful changes to the infrastructure products and processes of the financial industry. So even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to innovate the financial industry and bring the much needed transformation to take it to the digital global age based on the discussion we had today, this risk round of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you so much. Wonderful, Patrick. So as financial industry and institutions are now racing to harness the power of emerging technologies like blockchain and artificial intelligence and Internet of Things, the question decision makers need to evaluate is how can they benefit from the emerging technologies? How can they go digital and how can they avoid obsolescence? Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. And we at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain. 
until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com. And do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.